everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes to make sure the levels fall from low. I got them girls shining oh so bright. Ladies and gentlemen, listening, Tex and I have been communicating non-verbally. Awkwardly. Yeah, which is why that awkward silence was so awkward. But the non-verbal communication was not awkward because we knew exactly what we were doing. We just did the whole podcast actually in 10 seconds. That's right. Let's do another episode. Linked and synced. Of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. I mean, well, if they're catching analog human language is so inefficient. This this podcast that we now have to talk through <laughs> is going to take us 35 to 40 minutes to get the point across. You and I did it non-verbally, tele, telepathically in 10 seconds. Well, if they watch this on YouTube, uh-huh. they can basically see the next 30 minutes in 30 seconds. Yeah, because you can, well, or you maybe they're the type of people who trim the silence out on their player and play double speed. That's what I do. What the fuck? You can do that? Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm way behind. I just listen. The few, what? <laughs> At real speed? Well, I, I'm Yeah, you can speed it up and it's not even Alvin and Chipmunks. It's like normal tone of voice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nah. It's like absurd? To, I don't, I don't think it's absurd for you. I like to enjoy and listen and almost well like i've it. got news for you not only can you double the speed you can half it so you can listen to people talk are you kidding approximately half speed that'd probably be better for you <laughs> yeah i i process a more of a slow i couldn't imagine i would that'd be torture for me i'm just telling you well, you know, I don't. That's that's interesting. Just like your opinion, man. Pete, my observation of you watching and listening to podcasts is mm-hmm. like other coaches watching and observing other coaches and not agreeing with their coaching styles or approach. That what they the take. hell does that have to do with anything? I have a feeling it's going <laughs> to be very relevant in a moment. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, the helpline is open. You're listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ding. Ding. I'm Luke. And Tex. And Baba Ganoush, Jay Welly, he's not here. You know, we're recording earlier in the, in the day today. It's about 10 a.m. John usually gets out of bed at 11. Oh, burn band is off. I don't want to do that to him. Oh, what? Am I wrong? Well, no, but you're, I'm not. You're we're just not an asshole. <laughs> no. Spoken like a true asshole. Uh no, it's Friday. Tex and I are doing an impromptu. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Casual. Uh, it's a beautiful day out. It's too cold. Well, Wade's Army. Join the fight Friday. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So shout out to uh, our boy Wade. Mm-hmm. We're gr- quickly approaching Wade's day. Yep. Yep. Which is, um, let's see. If you're listening to this in real time, it's approximately a week away. So. Boom. So keep your eyes peeled. If you're following the training, keep your eyes peeled on the training feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not following the training, head to, to Wade's Army on social. Yep. Watch at, Power Athletes social. At Wade's Army, check out the workout. 11-12-11 was mm-hmm. the angelversary of our hero, Mr. Wade DeBruin. Mm-hmm. Passed mm-hmm. away of neuroblastoma at the age of two years old. Mm-hmm. And now, man, eight plus years later through Wade's Army, we've done a lot of good mm-hmm. fighting for pediatric cancer. And couldn't have done it without the folks who've generously contributed uh, financially or with their time and with their fundraising efforts. Mm-hmm. So, And, yeah, keep on keeping on. That's right. And hotline is open. Yes. 929-464-4640. That's 929-ING-ING-0. Call us up. Leave us a message. And we will address your concerns right here on the podcast and push it out. 
to the podcast universe. Mm-hmm. Right? Talk, yeah. Talk through it. Pick mm-hmm. up these ideas, break them apart, digest them, and put you in a better position to empower your performance, whether that's coaching, teaching, training, yeah. training, parenting, yeah, or just being a better version of yourself. Being, or just being. Capital B. Yeah. Well, be, wouldn't capital, capital, blah, capital B, like be, be the noun being, like human? Being? You're right. I just wanted to put an emphasis. <laughs> On the importance of being rather than just going through the motions and drudging your way through your existence. I understand the emphasis now. It matters. Okay. Everything matters. All right. Let's, okay. We'll we'll agree to disagree. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, didn't you just admit on lesson, you know, two or three episodes that everything doesn't matter? You used to think everything mattered, but in reality it doesn't. Isn't that something you just said? No. Oh, let me pull up the soundbite here. <laughs> uh, we we can discuss that, but I feel that it is better set and allow mm-hmm. me to prepare an argument. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not getting into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the question today comes from one of our guys, Jason. It's a coaching question. Yes. Technical he- question. I'm curious where we're going to go with this text because usually we do kind of talk through our responses, but you and I are just kind of going live. And if our telekinetic... Um, what did I call it? <laughs> I don't know. LinkedIn sync. Our nonverbal telekinetic walkthrough of this that we did 10 times in 10 seconds is an indicator. Our, uh, You're going to crush it. What did, what did Dusty used to do? Touch tummies? Tummy touching? Tummy touching. That's how we LinkedIn synced before the podcast to That's get right. on the save wa- same wavelength. That's right. Jason is preparing for the January block one test. Ah. So this bro is coach. Mm-hmm. He made an observation in his gym before his training, and he's just gearing up for block one test. Here we go. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, guys. This is uh, Jason Hagen again calling. Um, I just want to touch on um, coaching cues because I go to a CrossFit gym. I do open gym. I don't participate in the classes, but um, I do my field strong programming, you know, between between the CrossFit classes. And um, I watch the, the coaches, you know, while I'm doing my thing. They're over there, and um, they're not coaching at all. They're on the phones the whole time or not paying attention to the to the people or um, just shouting stupid shit like, you know, up, 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 when they're squatting, like, no shit. They understand they have to stand up. Um, or like, go, go, one more, one more. You know, like even the coach uh, the other day was doing overhead squats. And she was like, I saw her like elbows buckling a little bit. And I, and I told her like, Hey, like spread the bar, you know, like a simple cue like that is smarter and easier to comprehend than shouting at someone or like, you know, I, I see the coaches that they're more like cheerleaders. They're just, you know, jumping around, go, 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 go. And like, doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not like improving their performance. Um, I always read your descriptions when I do the movements um, for the field strong, and it'll say, like, act as if you have gorilla hands and you're, like, putting your big toe into – driving your big toe into the ground when you're setting up your uh, – for your lunges or squats or anything like that. That kind of thing, it works for me, you know? So I wanted to see what your guys' opinion on um, the CrossFit coaches are. I just wanted to see what you guys thought. Anyway, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, for listening. And thank you, listeners, for listening. We love you. Hugs and love. Right? Hugs hugs and loves? Yes. Hugs and loves. Mind hugs. I hate queuing. I hate this. I've hated it. Hang on. Let me rephrase. Hate is a harsh word. Queuing has always been this interesting, mystical conversation when we've talked with coaches, especially younger uh, in terms of life cycle, like greener coaches, right? As I recall it, granted, it's been a few years since the seminar, but man, we did we we engaged with thousands of people, and queuing seems to be oh. perceived as like this oh, this yeah. magical art. A thousand people around the world, different languages, different countries, and seeing the same fallacies and mistakes with what you're referring to. Now, with that said, though, I think you have more. What do you mean? Negative or experiential 
misuse of this cue. Uh-huh. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So so with but so with the like coaching isn't cue or cueing isn't coaching, but coaching requires cueing. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Now, cueing falls in various different categories. And I think like the the primary dichotomy that really is steaming right now, like a fresh pile of dung, right? In the morning, in the you know, the the cold central Texas mornings. <laughs> is internal and external cueing. Would you agree? Do you concur? I, I agree. I, I feel, and I mean, the research is in line. Yeah. And we got to give shout out to our friends, Rachel Larson and Nick Winkleman, for yeah. very doing a great job delineating mm-hmm. between the two and painting a picture for coaches, new and experienced. Exactly. And if, you are, if you're wondering, what's the deal with cueing? Well, number one, Understanding that delineation and uh, the implications that it could have on your athlete is paramount. Mm-hmm. Neither is right, neither is wrong. Cueing requires context. So there's no magic cue to a movement. Nope. Because the movement is individualized to the athlete. And since the movement's individualized, so is the cueing. Do they respond more effectively in the early phases of learning the movement to internal cueing? Or external cueing. Perhaps, uh, you know, in, within our cueing hierarchy, we even went in terms of, you know, kind of delineating internal, external, but we talked about these performance perspective type cueings, which, uh-huh. which can and typically are external types of cues, but can be internal depending on the athlete, the context, and the performance perspective. A, you know, an example of that text that you always, that we use that you came up with is if you're trying to get an athlete to lead with their hips in terms of sitting back into, let's say a squat, quarter squat, jam squat, kettlebell swing, some sort of X axis movement. And they're a basketball player. You could use, imagine you're boxing out, right? That's external cue. It, it creates a, a vision, a common movement in the athlete's Mm -hmm. movement vocabulary in his mind's eye or her mind's eye of, of visualizing what they need to do with their body. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you could use a tactile type of cue where you may have them stand by a wall and say, reach your tush to the wall, right? And they can feel and aim and use their body to, to aim and touch something. Yeah. Or not, like avoid something, yeah. right? Get in the way. That's yeah. one of yeah. my favorite coaching tools. So there's all sorts of different ways to do things and really you're limited by your creativity, I believe, when it comes to cueing. However, mm-hmm. it is important to have a system. Well, I agree. It's, it's very important not just to talk, to talk, to feel like you're coaching. Mm-hmm. I feel that I feel that's very selfish coaching. Mm-hmm. Saying things, and we see sport coaches this, do this all the time, yelling things from the sideline even though right the players can't hear it i feel that is selfish it's wasting breath versus focusing taking the notes and then waiting for an opportune time to then debrief Mm -hmm. and walk through what you have to say um but as jason's example of the coach just yelling things there are certain is up a bad cue uh i wouldn't say so i'd say there's better can cues. can up be a bad cue? It can be. I mean, if that man, if that coach, I'm not sure, uh, if that coach was willing them, using the power of levitation, that's levitation homes, to bring them up, then it's not a bad cue. Mm-hmm. But if he is just saying that and there's no internal, there's no external, I feel there's better opportunity <laughs> to improve this coach's ability to get the most of their clients' performance. All right, how do <clears throat> I agree? And I'm thinking like I've we've we've spun off. So let's get back to yeah we Jason's yeah plenty of frames to yeah. connect us to. Okay, uh, so where do you want to start? Let's see. I mean, we've ranted on queuing. Yes, uh, we can start with the different variations of queuing from our experience, and then and bring it into our model that mm-hmm. we aim to teach coaches how to teach people to move. 
Can I, I'm going to start with a disclaimer too. Okay. So Jason is working on a CrossFit gym. He's running open gym. He has this interesting like outsider's perspective of how that gym and the coaches within that gym engage with general pop athletes yes. is what it sounds like. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, well, number one, you know, he, he kind of alludes somewhere in the question, like what's up with CrossFit coaches? The tricky thing with CrossFit coaches is there is a spectrum of capability within the cohort of all CrossFit coaches. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, and we currently still do, over the past, man, almost a decade, have worked with thousands of CrossFit coaches, some of which who are really switched on. I mean, really talented coaches who know that coaching isn't queuing, coaching is connecting, okay? And they use good cues, I guess, or they're, they're able to make the connection to not just teach movement, but coach movement to set up and set free. Some of the things we're probably gonna get into today, right? Yeah. Like, the, the, it's an art, it requires intuition, it requires experience, it requires risk, it requires patience. All of these things calculated, mindful, and considered to be a great coach. And CrossFit coaches can do that. And then, there's the other end of the spectrum. Oh. Just like, and this isn't, but and my point being is like, this isn't unique to just CrossFit. No, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. I referenced sport coaches earlier. Oh yeah. But, but so yeah. sport, the positional sport coaches, strength coaches in at the high school level, private strength coaches who have their own boxes that aren't CrossFitted. Like any coach that you could come across, like the spectrum exists there. So like the risk is not unique to CrossFit. Is, is my point. Yeah, and I will also bring this disclaimer. If the, if the shouting, if the ups, if the cheerleading mm-hmm. is beneficial for providing a grand experience for that client, yeah. no matter their gen pop, their kid, their uh, performance-based individual, awesome. Mm-hmm. Continue to do that to provide that experience. Why? Because the person keeps coming back and mm-hmm. that's how they get better consistency yeah and the, the tricky thing too is the general pop right like right but i'd say that one of the and one of the def, the deficits of a general pop client that is probably more prominent than let's say a performance-based sports athlete yeah. is going to be motivation we can get into that i feel so we can oh, close with that. What but. yeah, what do you you know, what are you doing to motivate? Is it just cheerleading? Okay. Like it has it has to be intentional and calculated. Well there there is a path to yeah. to motivation. i I feel we can close with okay. that. Okay, okay. Because right now we're we're getting away from the coach and we can dial in and be very specific and give Jason observations to look at next time to see if these folks are doing it. And then rather than him walking up to the client, I, I advise against that, mm-hmm. walk up to the coach and put them in a position to improve their ability versus just being the guy on the sidelines walking in and, you know, trying to quarterback this, mm-hmm. this class. So let's start with this. Ready? Break. M- movement. People okay. are coming in and the goal of coaching ultimately is to build a level of proficiency in movement within the paradigm of what we're talking about, like strength, strength and conditioning or fitness. Yes. Right? We would define it as athleticism, but you could just say for the gen pop, proficient movement where they don't need a coach walking through mm-hmm. the explaining this, labeling the movements every time. If you say thruster, mm-hmm. the person rem- knows exactly what to do, when, how, what, and then what weight to choose to challenge their ability. Should we also delineate within that context is like teaching movement versus coaching movement? Oh yeah. There's a lot of delineation. So go, I'm going to just hand it off to you. Okay. We'll begin with the, the types of cues. This goes back to our seminar and we weaved this into our warm up presentation and walkthrough. Part of it was how we chose to teach the group of teachers and coaches was using anatomical terms. We were very specific and how we did that would be dorsiflexion and plantar flexion as an example. If we wanted our coach in a dorsiflexion position, we would say dorsiflexion. 
Now, I don't think that's going to work for our 13-year-olds or our 45-year-old folks coming into our Gen Pop class. Awesome. We can say dorsiflexion and they'll like, whatever, okay. And then they'll look to somebody else within the class to see what they're doing and then try to mimic it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, how can we verbalize an anatomical position of dorsiflexion? Pull your shoelaces towards your knees. Drive your heels towards the sky if the example's a dead bug Mm -hmm. movement. Awesome. We got them to hit the action in which we are introducing. So we use more of a a visual. One of my favorite is when we introduced our arm action during our sprint, punch and hammer. On our upward arm swing, I want you to punch like you're punching the coach in the face. I forget exactly what we said, but some like a jab at us to get them to visualize and be aggressive so we have the intention and the finish within it. It's not just the, the patterning and where to go. It's how we want you to execute and finish it. And then we have uh, our hammer. Imagine you got a hammer in your hand and your arm swing backwards. You're hammering nails into the wall behind you. So we have the position, we have the pattern, and then we have this emotion applied to it, very visual action that they have an expectation to then execute. And it gives us a reference and a visual to then cue and, and we'll get into the formal, but we'll use shape right now. Um, what else do we have? We had the performance perspective in which you applied. If our person has a goal or plays a sport, we ask them, okay, teach me how to get set up in your, teach me how to box out, show me your box out position. And then they'll get into it. And then we have an opportunity to then connect our coaching cue to what they already know. So we're defining, we'll establish this, and then they're modeling, and then we're going to shape their position according to our expectation of execution and then reinforce good behavior. But those are examples of types of cueing, but it's dependent on the person. If we're coaching up Jason, I'm going to use anatomical positions because he's got that base level of knowledge. Mm -hmm. If I'm teaching Jason to then coach individuals in that group. Then we're going to use the more visual, experiential, emotional cues to get them in position. But I'm not going to have Jason then go and tell these people dorsiflexion or just scream randomly, posture in position. They don't know what the hell that means. Mm -hmm. Give them a visual. Posture is easy. Imagine you have a string on the top of your head and somebody's pulling your head through your shoulders with that string. All right, we're establishing our posture. Those are examples that we taught within the course. And since we've left the course and we've been positioned to challenge and teach virtually, we've advanced our perspective and models. And then we have the amazing opportunity to connect with very intelligent teachers and coaches themselves like Larson and Winkleman. And um, I got to reference Nick's communication loop first. And I'll, I'll bring this back into how we teach people to teach movement. <clears throat> so Nick's, Nick's communication loop, this is amazing. And he talks about it in one of our podcasts. I forget what it is, 369 maybe? I don't know. But describe, demo, and this is a loop. Describe, demo, cue, do, debrief. Describe, think of this as you are explaining what the action you want the squat to be in. While you're explaining and describing this, you get set up in that position and you're demoing the action you're talking through. So we... Nick Wickelman, 369, confirmed. Winner, winner. Good memory. Uh, Rachel Larson, I think 307? One, just a moment. Okay, anyway. So describe, demo... This is going on at the same time. You're, you're set up in this position. If you want your toes forward squat in your universal athletic position, you're not just saying these things. You're showing them and getting into position to then mimic that action and uh, put them in the best position. And then cue. So if we're set up in that UAP toes forward universal athletic position, we're going to talk and demo through the cues that we're going to see when they're under that stress. Ours is going to be press that big toe into the ground. Active feet, right? Awesome. I'm going to say that and then almost use my body to emphasize, like I'm doing now if you're watching on YouTube, to emphasize the action. 
So we're exaggerating it during our demo and then giving them the cues. Uh, like say I move in my squat and then I want to ask them to drive their knees back out of the hole. I'm going to exaggerate that or finish through the hips and give them a, a big movement that then they can do their best damnedest to mimic when they attempt this. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as exaggerated from them, but the intention and the effort is there. Then we have the do, and this is where we get into the, the external cueing. So think of describing when deming is more internal in depth, but we want to get them moving. This is number one. We don't over explain like I'm doing now, but we want to get them doing and moving. So this is the external cue and Nick's book is language of coaching. Awesome. Awesome piece that goes into examples of this, <clears throat> but do. So instead of up, we have the opportunity to dry, like press the ground away, push out of the squat. So you're pushing the ground away and it's a, it's one word. It's all caps if we're typing it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a simple direction that you want them to do. Um, if we're talking about medicine ball throws, it's simple as whip, whip that ball. So I would reference, try to think and put my best sport coach cap on when doing these because they're great at one-liners, one-word things that they want their people to do. Drive, you know, for example. So do. And then debrief. This is the end of the coaching loop. They've moved. I'm not just yelling at them during the movement. Me personally, I'm observing and watching how they're in, internalizing and executing what I did have to say. And then you come in and say, how did that feel? What happened there? So it's very vague what you're asking because you need, you don't want to force them into a force feeding you an answer that you want to hear you're looking for. It's not a yes or no. Did you improve on that? That's a poor question. What, Hey, what happened there? If it's good or it's bad, they'll express what they were feeling and what was going through their mind or what they were focusing on. Hey, what'd you think about during that? And then they say something and you're like, did were you think about pressing your big tone to the ground? Whatever it was that I introduced during my uh, demos and cues, we have a story to reference back. <clears throat> so Jason just going up to this person and saying, hey, break that bar in half or whatever you said for the overhead squat. Well, what did their coach tell them? Can you, or what are you thinking about? Better approach Jason would have been, hey, what are you thinking about when the bar's overhead? Mm -hmm. Or what did your coach ask you to do? And if they're not doing one of those things or what they're thinking about moving is not executed, okay, there's a disconnect there. And Jason, you can help bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So th this is a good loop and it's continuous. And the bottom line is our goal is to just, and this is where we get into the, the power athlete because we're more, fo more focused on athleticism. So Nick is great, great, um, great coach, teacher in this respects, we're finding a way to then work into our version of athleticism. I feel this empowers coaches to bring athleticism to the next level with what I'm going to get into in a minute here. So, um, but that's, that's his communication loop. De uh, describe, demo, cue, do, debrief. It's a good place to start and think about uh, Jason. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when it gets into cueing, <clears throat> And these discussions come in. I don't know my perception in hearing feedback and discussion on this from coaches, various skill levels, is that cueing reduces coaching to a single moment. Okay, like okay. explain further. I, yeah, I'm sure. Picking up contextually, situational to a single moment. Whereas whenever I think of, in my mind's eye, coaching an athlete or someone or a class, um, queuing or coaching is continuous. It's a continuous series of moments that build off of one another. And with each new movement, each new milestone, each new interaction, you're opening up a whole new universe of ways to engage an athlete. So if it's a new movement, you can relate to movements they're competent in. If there's a milestone in a press in terms of organizing a 
position of the trunk or the body, you can use that milestone and whatever happened in that movement to build perspective in other movements to get a body to move or not move in a certain way. So it's this continuous, like there is, you can't reduce it to a single cue, you know? And, and I think even Winkleman's, I'm not disagreeing with Winkleman's uh, loop, but like as people are hearing that and perceiving that, like think of it longitudinally across right. time and the athlete's journey. And just in that sense, like if we were to like pretend we're charting an athlete's journey and, you know, let's say that line text is just this kind of subjective competency. Oh, I thought you were going to say peak in high school, but no, no, only a few very lucky people managed to pull that off. Right. So like in its competency, the area under that curve is opportunity Mm -hmm. for you to expand your coaching base at the very beginning. It's going to be a pretty focused approach to coaching in an athlete's journey. I feel it's got to be consistent across various movements, but then your, your vocabulary, that coaching loop kind of, uh, it becomes more robust as the athlete is more skilled. So you have to take athlete life cycle into consideration and competency also goes along the lines of the athletes, like, like willingness to get better Mm. at some point they may be like good enough. That's it. I'm fine here. And the more energy you put into that, if you can't crack through whatever that mental block is for them or uh, change their perspective on what they're doing in the gym, I'm thinking general population and maybe even sports, right? Oh, yeah. There's Um, certainly burnout in both respects or... Yeah, you're going to go crazy coaching. So that's just a little narrative on, on maybe how folks might not be perceiving some of the tools that we're pushing out here Yes, we aiming to f- target our attention and focus on specific things. And Luke, you're doing well in, in creating this longitudinal perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and the longer you are a coach, this is a cool thing, the less you'll say, mm-hmm. the less movements that you'll choose to implement in our program. A great uh, reference is Mike Boyle. Yeah, I thought you were going to go there. Yeah, man, is. He's, he's an amazing example of simpler mm-hmm. or simple, no, no simpler. Yeah. And, and, uh, that longitudinal perspective and development, if you, that is a growth mindset because you're always looking for more ways to be efficient. It's not looking for a word or cue mm-hmm. or direction that works for this movement. No, you're able to apply the specific tool that the athlete needs at that moment in time for teaching, coaching, evaluating, whatever phase you're, you're observing mm-hmm. at this moment in time, mm-hmm. which leads us to the, uh, power athlete perspective to our, our teaching movement. And this goes into coaching as well. Uh, coaching, teaching, evaluating. That's what, um, that's what we want to create here. Bottom line is four phases that we get into. The first is going to be define you need to put yourself in the best position to define movement. This goes in line with Winkleman's describe and demo. And if I'm describing and demoing movement well enough in the introduction or the breakdown for an athlete, it sets you up for less coaching. Mm-hmm. The better you introduce and better you get them into the right position, then the less work you have to do. So this, this defining, you're defining movement. An example that we use is our primal movement patterns. Our four for the upper body and our three for the lower body. Wish I had pelvis Presley here to be our example, but I have one better. No, I can't exactly use them. That's, that's okay. Anyway, so our, our four primal foundational movement patterns for the upper body, we have a vertical push, vertical pull, horizontal push, horizontal pull, those are four for the upper. And then our lower, we have our squat, hinge, our lunge, and step up. Mm-hmm. Those are based off the actions of the pelvis. So our squat, our hinge, is going to be a pelvis rotating along the x-axis. Imagine a... May I? You may. You're a geometry. Let's just pretend your hips are a bowl of soup. Okay. If you were to tilt 
that bowl of soup forward to spill it out, that's X. X is tilt. Okay. Right? And then you have twist. If you were to spin that bowl of soup, twist it, that's your Y. That's going to be what we call our lunging. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I did it backwards. Let's call X spill, Y twist, and then Z is tilt. Mm-hmm. So if you had that bowl of soup and now you're spilling it side to side, one edge is going up, the other is going down, that's going to be your step. Yes. How was that? It's great. Very Sp- Spill, twist, tilt. It's very clear. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Very emotional, visual cue to help our listeners direct it. And you're right in line. So those three actions of the hips, these are how we define movement that puts us in a position to then model and show our athletes how to do it. We are just defining, and that's how we would describe it to our Coach Hagen here, right? Mm -hmm. But then apply Luke's twist, spill, and tilt perspective to then introduce the the actions of the hip to, um, to an athlete. From define, we get into model, and this is where we get very specific. So we introduced the the spill for our X axes. Now we, we define the action of the hips. Now we're going to get into the specific setup and the execution of a squat. Universal athletic position, toes pointing forward, knees over our arches are in steps. So we're modeling the, the action that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Our deadlift is still going to be defined as an x-axis rotation a spill but guess what our model changes a little bit now we're heels underneath our hips or toes pointing forward knees straight line from our heels to our knees to our hips mm-hmm. and it's still a tilt but mm-hmm. our uh our modeling our execution changes just a little bit because it's pull more pull action versus pushing the ground away like a uap right and using we use the uap to anchor a position. Mm-hmm. So you, and from that anchor point, all you need to now do is modify from there. So it's your start. It's your starting point, and it's the. It's also just. It also happens to be the posture and the position that puts you in the most advantageous position in sport. Mm-hmm. So you anchor everything around this, and then that becomes your basis for coaching. Because if you can build that as a default position, you can always modify from there. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what coaching and cueing is. Coaching plus cueing is, is overcompensating, getting the athlete to overcompensate a position, a movement, or lack thereof in their mind's eye to achieve the shape, position, or pattern that you are observing. Which leads us to our next phase. Go ahead. Great segue. So we had define, we had model. And now we have shape. So important point for the model, you're putting them in a setup in an execution. You're giving, you're describing, demoing, and then you have to set them free. They have to move. We can't over-describe. And this is where I advise coaches not in your introduction of a movement. Don't describe any faults because then they'll, they, they don't, they can't delineate between setup execution and faults. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them what they're going to do wrong set them free and then shape. This is where you intervene as a coach. This is that opportunity to then get in there and give them the cues and the do's that Nick, Nick describes. So that shaping is a phase of coaching and movement. It's not when they're underneath that barbell and you're screaming up in there. It's in between these sets, these reps, this opportunity to then connect and get back to it. Mm -hmm. So Shaping, that is that is our opportune moment to coach. But defining and modeling movement, this is how you teach. You're teaching your athletes how to move. Set them up, set them free to make as many freaking mistakes as they want. And then you as a coach have the opportunity to shape. Maybe that's scaling weight back. Maybe that's scaling weight up. Maybe it's rethinking or being very specific in how you're teaching, cueing, or getting them in a to the position in which you have in your mind that they can't necessarily, maybe they're picturing it and visualizing perfect execution. 
but it ain't there. Mm-hmm. How do we bridge that gap between your expectation of execution and their hitting it? Mm-hmm. And would it be fair to say, text that a coaching win isn't necessarily closing the loop all the way, but progressing them to your expectation? So they may not hit the expectation today, but over time they should be trending towards it. Yes. And this, this is the important of set up and set free. Mm-hmm. We can put them in the best setup position. I won't say perfect, but an optimal setup position. All things considered, all right? Things, Individuality. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the movement. And we set them free to then do their best. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a, we'll use the pull-up as an example. So we hang that athlete from the bar. And if we can just simply get them in the right scapular organization to then perform a strict pull-up. But if they don't pull up, but they put forth the intention, the conscious effort, that's still a win. We can then progress and put them and literally push them to the top. They have the expectation of maintaining a good shoulder position and then gravity works its way in the negative, but they have a representation that they're able to fight towards versus Mm -hmm. the elbows caving in, the shoulders driving up. So it's that set free is so important. And then in our perspective for athleticism, because we want them, we don't want them to rely on us anymore. That's the eventual goal and how we can accomplish that. Shaping, get as creative and fun as possible. Don't overcoach at this point, but do what they need at the moment to get into a better position, better execution. And then finally, our last phase is going to be reinforce. If they were able to improve, or maintain a set of position through their best range of motion that they have available, coach, mm-hmm. intervene, give them a good, I don't want to say good job, but knuckles. Validate. Validate the action and the improvement. So that's going to, re- this is, we get into the, the physiology, that's going to release the reward hormones that mm-hmm. they did better. It's not, if they start to compare themselves to other people in class, now I'm talking gen pop, not mm-hmm. performance. I want my guys or performance to compare themselves and push. That's, that's a team aspect. But gem pop, don't compare yourself to the person squatting in the rack next to you or on the whiteboard from the 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. if I'm a 8 a.m. class person. Mm-hmm. That's not how they're going to get better. Yeah, We're reinforcing the, the progress at the quicker we provide reinforcement, the better. Yeah, so and I it, think to clarify on that two texts, because that is such a pillar in a lot of the gen pop CrossFit style um, setups is is the co- competitive aspect of it, which I don't think is bad, assuming you have a platform, like the foundation of progress is UVU. You know what I mean? Yes. Now, with that said... If the only way people are wondering if they're getting better is by beating other people, you're in a bad, like you're in a high risk scenario. You need to shift that paradigm. Having a little bit of competitive fun isn't the worst thing in the world, but it needs to be again calculated, considered, and appropriately applied. Mm-hmm. And a way you could do that could be like a weekly throwdown, for example, maybe a monthly. I don't know, right? Have your own little games. But at the, 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 the driving trend line for success should be the individual versus the individual. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. I can't agree more. And man, we could talk about tricks to still feed the competitive juices for mm-hmm. those top tier individuals within your gen pop, still gen pop folks, but mm-hmm. they, they had got the juice. Mm-hmm. Different ways that we could, I mean, that's a whole different podcast, but at the bottom line, if, and you're right, this is it, we want to create a culture of movement culture of movement versus a culture of competition within a gen pop scenario and that is simple improvements technique sometimes you can use weight on the bar to measure progress and if if we want to get into goals quickly we can do do on that but find a way and this is a how you communicate and how the better you define and model your expectations 
your movements, your standards, if we want to use uh, gym language, mm-hmm. how your standards, I guess the Deuce, the Deuce Gym as well with Logan out in uh, Venice Beach, the better you define and model your standards, then easier it is for you to shape and at the same time reinforce and create a culture of movement versus letting some people slip, slide, or you give up on the shaping because your limited ability to communicate correction mm-hmm. or your, uh, now I'll go back on this, this cue very quickly, but your limited ability to define and model movement. If you took a, if you took a course or, and they handed you a sheets of, okay, here's 10 squatting cues or 10 deadlift cues. And then your defining, modeling, shaping is caught only on those 10 cues, that's an issue. Because then we're not creating this culture of movement and you're going to give up on people because you don't have the ability to communicate well enough to that person to then make the, ch- the change in the shape and to reinforce good movement. You'll give up on them, you'll applaud their effort, their attitude and all the good things, the intangibles, if you will, but at the same time, if their movement does not progress, you're going to stop giving them your best effort. Mm-hmm. Or you'll just turn into the the repeater. It's a jackal. It's a jackal. It's a jackal. <laughs> Wasn't out. it a jackal the first time? Knees out. Mm-hmm. Knees out. Knees out. Mm-hmm. No. Go ahead. And that's the, bot, the more bandwidth that you have in communicating, defining, showing, modeling, and then the better position you're in to improve your ability to shape folks' movement and then reinforce good movement and then challenge that good movement with weight, stress, and all the fun stuff that the tools that you already have. But it comes down to your ability to teach, coach, and evaluate. That's how, that's how I feel. But it comes and um, focusing on communication, defining and modeling movement goes mm-hmm. a long way. So I guess in response to... Um what do we think about your experience as described um, in your message? I don't know that it's wrong or bad, but it's incomplete. I mean, there's a couple things. Number one, I don't think that a coach should be on their phone throughout. Um, yeah, I'm mad at that. But yeah, like who knows? Maybe given the benefit of the doubt, maybe there's something on there that is is contextually impertinent to that class. Highly unlikely. Would we agree with that? Yes, maybe and if it, it, get a watch if it's your timer. Yeah, exactly. Get a watch. Um, but phones out as a coach is a no-no. However, the coaching style, coaching selection is probably well-intended and simply is incomplete. And that is, you know, one, one, rel- one very real criticism of the level one course is like it's a weekend course, it's introductory, but in CrossFit's defense, man, they have the continuing ed there, you know. Um, the I don't think the level one was the end all be all. Well, it's just it's, enough to get you keep people safe and get you green, get you out of that like greenhorn phase. Yes, it's to get you access, it's yeah. to get you opportunity mm-hmm. to then improve your professional development as a right coach or trainer. So I'm not totally mad at the level one. Nope. You know, and like, are, are there different options? Our methodology course um, is one, for example, it, a little more full, full spectrum with the objective of a higher level of competency, I think, in my opinion, in coaching a relatively narrow po- population. But it can be applied if you are a little more uh, an experienced coach. There's a lot, a lot of connections to make. But if uh-huh. you're a new coach, it gives you some really, really safe guardrails and really... Um, Useful tools. Yep. It's very heavy in the define and model mm-hmm. and provides the bedrock program for then you improve as a coach as your athletes improve yep. in their ability. That's right. So that's what I have to say about that. What about you? Jason, I would suggest take a go talk to that coach or go talk to the gym owner. Mm-hmm. Strike up a conversation and see where this person is coming from. If they are green, that from Luke and I's travel perspective, they would give the green horn the Friday nights. 
Mm-hmm. And so we were walking into these gyms yeah, and yeah. seeing the the freshest of the fresh. Yeah, because seminars on the weekend, we travel on Friday, get in midday, the evening, and go to like a PM class. Or, yeah, to find the dustiest things in the gym and pick them up and put them down and do biceps while the class is going crazy. Wadding. Being jealous of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, have the conversation. Let us know how it goes. Um, nailed it, Tex. Yeah. Do we want to touch on motivation? Or? Nah. All right. Next time. Okay. Yeah. Bottom line, aim to create a culture of movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus whiteboard numbers, mumbo jumbo, or relying on only 10 cues mm-hmm. to empower performance. There you have it. There you have it, folks. Another episode in the books. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. You want to know I'm whispering? Ing. Trying to keep it a secret. Why? I don't know. Because secrets sell? Because people can't keep secrets. Loose lips sink ships. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again. If you have a question, if you have a problem, yo will solve it. Call up the hotline while the DJ revolves it. 929-464-4640. 929-ing-ing-0. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!